This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with Kim Best. My top three goals is to um, help the community of music therapists because I feel that tension in the air and because I saw a better way um, in Minnesota and to help the, the rate of pay go up and then three, kind of along with the second one, is to create more jobs, more programs, um, because it just doesn't seem like there's many people doing that right now. So I started my business, and here I am. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast. In today's episode, I get to talk with Kim Best, who is the creative mastermind behind KimBest.com and Kim Best Creative, which you may be familiar with on Instagram, where she shares her just like mind musings and gets vulnerable about her experiences as a human and as a music therapist. And in today's conversation, we get our own experience of that. We talk about how she has moved and um, experienced different aspects of being a music therapy professional in different locations and how she is hoping to improve the experience of being a music therapist and all the ambitions she has and the ways she wants to do this and One of the best ways that she does this is just by sharing her experience. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and you check her out online if you haven't already to hear more from her. This is going to be part one of our conversation. And next week, part two, we'll dive more into Kim's vision for the future, what she's aiming to achieve and aspires to do to help our profession moving forward. Um... And it's a really beautiful vision, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did um, when I had the conversation. Of course, they're always nice to listen back to as well. I always learn something new. If you are enjoying the show, please let us know by leaving a review on iTunes. You can also follow us on social media. We are at Music Therapy Chronicles, and you can become a patron on patreon.com. Patrons have the exclusive opportunity to ask guest questions. Oh, and please subscribe to the show so that the episodes are automatically downloaded to your podcast playing device each week. If you subscribe right now, you won't miss part two with Kim next week. All right, let's get into this conversation. Welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles, Kim. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm excited to have just like 
an honest deep dive conversation today into wherever <laughs> rabbit hole we end up in. Uh, and I was really yes. looking forward to this. Awesome. Me too. And that's like, that's all, that's who I am. <laughs> honest deep dive type of person. Love that. So I love that. <laughs> awesome. Good. So uh, to start us off for any of the listeners who don't know who you are or what you do, can you give them uh, some backstory, some information about yourself? Yes, sure. So I am a board certified music therapist (laughs) and I currently live in Rochester, New York. If you are unfamiliar about the state of New York, it's about um, six hours northwest from New York City. A lot of times you say New York and people automatically think the city, but we're very far away from that. We're closer to Buffalo and Niagara Falls and Canada. Um, I, here in Rochester, I have a private practice, so I have my own clients that I see, and I'm also very involved in, um, creating new things. So developing programs, advocating for new positions, um, and it's like all of the new ideas I have are to create something that doesn't already exist Mm. or fill a need that I see in my world or in the music therapy world here. Um, So yeah, so that's uh, where I am right now. I originally am from New Jersey. And so I don't know if you'll hear any Jersey accent. I don't really have one, but sometimes my husband's like, oh, that was Jersey. (laughs) Um, And I went to school at Nazareth College up in Rochester. So that's how I met my husband, my now husband. And my internship was down in New York City at MJHS, uh, Metropolitan Jewish Health System in hospice care. And then along the way, I, um, so I got married right after my internship and then lived in Rochester for a year. And then we moved out to uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota for a couple years. That was such a fun adventure. And it was so cool seeing a new, a new community of music therapists, Mm. because like when you go to a school or when you live in a certain area, it's like you get used to who's there and what it's like and what it feels like. But then I just moved, you know, across country and it was a different experience. And then a lot of what I do today, I feel like is shaped from my time there and what I saw there and how I felt there as a music therapist. Um, so we were there only a couple of years and now we're back in Rochester. Um, but I, I feel like those were two very pivotal years. So <laughs> what else can I tell you? I mean, that's probably a good um, synopsis of where I am now and where, where I've been. <clears throat> Can you tell me more about Minnesota and like what the differences were and what is stuck Mm -hmm. with you? I'm really intrigued by that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay. So first off, so, so I went to school at NAS um, and then my internship was hospice care. I had no hospice care experience. um, And I only had a little bit of experience working in, in elder care, like as a student. So I did hospice to get a new experience. Um, And then moving back to Rochester, I couldn't 
get a hospice job. Like there just weren't any available. And, and then we wound up moving anyway. But then when I was in Minnesota, I saw that there were many, many hospice jobs. There were many jobs in elder care. Mm. And it was like, whoa, like, how is this so different here? And I think if I, if I go back to school and write a thesis, it might be on this. Like, why, does some, why do some areas have a bigger population of music therapists in one area of work versus another? Because here in Rochester, there are many music therapists working with school-based children and um, people with developmental disabilities. And so I'm like, hmm, is that because of the pioneers in that area? Like, okay, so what about other areas of the states or the world? Like, are they working with a certain type of person? Because the pioneer in that area, that's what they were were doing. That's who they were interested in working with. Um, so it was very intriguing. And um, I, I got a job subcontracting for a music therapist. But then very soon after that, maybe a few months in, I was approached by uh, a small hospice company to start their very first music therapy position. How perfect. And I was like, wait a second. Okay, first of all, how did they find me? Like, I'm a new person in this state. I must have done some good networking. I mean, <laughs> I love to talk, so maybe maybe that's why. <clears throat> so it, it was such a, a cool experience to be back in hospice, working in hospice care because that's something that I really loved. I loved working um, with older adults, especially who were at the end of life and working with their families and their caregivers and all the people around them and being on this, this interdisciplinary team. It's such rich work. And it's like every interaction you have with a patient or family member is substantial mm. and meaningful. Um, and it was like no other work that I had done in music therapy before. Because um, when I was school, I worked in a speech center. I worked with physical therapists. I worked with within a school. And then I, when I was subcontracting, I did a lot of work with people with developmental disabilities and in group homes. Like, so I, I felt like I had a good um, basis of working across the spectrum of the type of people you can work with as music therapists. Of course, there's so many more. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something about hospice care that like just felt right. It felt so true to who I am as a person. I don't know. Felt like the best work. <laughs> and now I really, really miss it. Um, and that was one thing unique to Minnesota there were a lot of music therapists working in elder care, at least at the point when I was there. Um, and then moving back to Rochester, again, I realized, oh, there are only like maybe a few music therapists working in long-term care facilities with older adults. Um, there's only one person well, actually, there's two people on hospice care, one person who has a full-time job doing that, a music therapist. Um, 
And then only two music therapists in the hospital. So in the, in the medical scene. So it's like what I saw there now being back in Rochester, I'm comparing everything to, Mm. I'm like, Oh wait, there were always hospice hospice jobs available. There, there were always like there were music therapists in so many long-term care facilities and so many memory care facilities. And here it's like, where are you? Like, like, first of all, is there a music therapist at this facility? Like, I don't know. And, and why don't, like, why don't I know? Is there, could there be a place where I could find that information out so far? Not really. (laughs) Um, And then second of all, if there isn't a music therapist there, has there been anyone who taught, who's talked with the facility to start a position or program? So it's like, I was thinking, I, I am, I always am thinking all these thoughts like, okay, but what about that place? They don't have a music therapist. Um, and then another, another thing that I loved about the culture of music therapists in Minnesota was their state association. And as you may know, or, you know, if you're listening, as you may know, not every state has a state association. And it's almost surprising when you find out a state that doesn't have one, at least in my mind. So coming back to New York state, I'm like, okay, as of right now, I don't know if there's a state association, but why not? And like, did anyone try to start it? Is there someone working on it right now? Like, I'm so interested to see because what I saw in Minnesota was a space where music therapists were supported and a place where music therapists knew to go to find out information about music therapy in the state. Excuse me, sorry. And then this beautiful community of music therapists who would support one another and the Minnesota Music Therapist Association would put on um, CMTE workshops, I think twice a year, like once in the fall and once in the spring. Um, And then they started a mentorship program. I think that may have been right when I was leaving. So there were all, it just, it felt like a community. It felt like this, um, this, this big circle of music therapists holding hands and helping one another. So that was something that I felt in Minnesota that when I came back to New York state, I didn't feel it felt more competitive. Mm -hmm. It felt, it, it didn't feel like this community of comfort and support in the air. It felt like tension in the air and that's not a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. And I know that doesn't sit right with a lot of people, a lot of music therapists, especially. And I'm like, okay, why is there this tension in the air? Okay. Maybe because there aren't a lot of jobs. Okay. Well, why aren't there a lot of jobs? Oh, maybe it's because 
there aren't many music therapists, one in private practice. There are very few here. Like, I don't even know who they are because I feel like the only one. And um, <clears throat> there are, I don't know the, who is out there networking with facilities and trying to create new programs. A lot of music therapists here are doing that within their own organizations and their own positions. They're trying to expand the program, which is excellent. That is what we need. Um, but besides those people within the already established programs within organizations, what about all the places who don't already have music therapists? Mm. Who, who's tapping into that, you know? Not really many people, as far as I know, um, at least here in Rochester, that I see. And that really stirred something inside me to not only ask the questions, but say, okay, maybe maybe it's going to be me. Maybe I'm going to be the person to take a step in that direction and create new programs or at least network with people and advocate for music therapy and hopefully down the road develop some more programs and positions here good for you thank you thank you it's it's so funny because starting out as a new professional I remember telling myself like I I never wanted to have my own practice I never wanted to start my own business um but I feel like it's something that I kind of found my way into. It's almost like I fell down the road and at the end of the road was this open door that led me into this way of doing music therapy. <laughs> mm. um, <clears throat> so, and that's like, that's a whole story in and of itself too. Um, starting my own business. I never wanted to. <laughs> But here I am, and I'm loving it too. I'm loving it. But I, I, yeah, I, w I wasn't always at the place where I wanted to start a business. <clears throat> so what happened along the way was um, I did some su subcontracting work um, that was in Minnesota. And before I even went out to Minnesota, I did some work at a larger music therapy business that contracted out music therapists to different places. So I went to group homes and I went to um, different schools and I saw individuals and I did groups at day centers. Um, but again, me asking questions and feeling like discrepancies between what I learned about music therapy being or what I learned about um, the career of a music therapist or what it would look like to have a job. And then what I was experiencing was so different. It was like night and day. And what really opened my eyes was this one day. Um, so this was when I was back in Rochester. I went back to that same job I worked beforehand and I was at this day center. So as a music therapist working for this business who contracted me out to different facilities. And this is probably many people listening to this podcast right now. I, um, I, my groups 
were held maybe um, once or twice a month. If I was lucky, it would be every week, once a week. Um, but most often it was, it was a little less than that. And <clears throat> so I find myself as a contracting music therapist through this, this other business, walking into the facility, people don't know who I am. People don't know my name. People see a guitar in my back and they wonder who, what I'm doing there. And I would go into, um, let's say the room, this was at a day center and I'm working with this group of maybe six to 10 adults with developmental disabilities. And, um, so this, this particular day, I, I noticed that, um, there was a new student or new person in the room and, you know, I think it wasn't only for adults now that I think of it, about it, but anyway, so the student was in our room and they were new and they, their aide came with them too. And this student was from um, a center that had a very, very established music therapy program, mm. multiple um, full-time music therapists, a very sought after internship program, um, a lot of really cool interdisciplinary work that they were doing, um, even established uh, documentation that they were using and a good relationship with the administrators of the facility. So that's where the student was coming from, a place that had an established music therapy program. And then um, the rest of the folks in the room were the people that I had been working with once, maybe twice a month. No one really knows who I am. They see me, you know, every, every now and again but it wasn't an established program. And as I started my session, I noticed that this new student and aide from this other center, they had their eyes locked on me. They were with my every move and my every interaction and every musical thing I did, they were doing it with me. It was like this beautiful synchronous experience of music therapy. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, this is what it is, of course. Like, this is beautiful. Um, <clears throat> but then everyone else in the room were, like, doing their own thing. They weren't paying attention to me. And maybe part of that is the way that I started the session, you know, okay. But it was still, it was so different seeing someone from an established program come in and then working with the rest of the room that does not have an established music therapy program. Anyway, long story short, it was a huge difference. And I'm like, okay, why? You know, I'm always asking the questions, okay, why? Why was that so different for that new student? Like, why were they with me and they were not with me? Oh, maybe it's because they have an established program and this facility does not have an established program. So then I'm like, okay, well, I like my honest thoughts are then the established music therapy programs are better for longevity 
in continuity of care Hmm. because of what I've seen like oh so that center they know all the music therapist names they have full-time positions they have an internship site they have a set form of documentation like everything is lined up the way that I think it should be (laughs) and this other place it didn't feel like like that so that's kind of what brought me to starting my own business and um before I started my own business I uh took a little break from music therapy and started a calligraphy business because I was just like I was a little burnt out at that time like I need some space from this work um and then I built up this calligraphy business real quick because calligraphy was like the hot thing at the time, which I think it still is. Mm. And your work <laughs> is beautiful. Side note. There. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And it was, it was a fun way to use my other skills besides my music therapy skills. And of course, I used a lot of my music therapy skills within that business too, you know, meeting people and assessing where they are and matching their energy level and then talking with them and creating a goal for the work that we're doing together. Um, So I feel like anywhere we are, we're always using our music therapy skills. Like Mm -hmm. we have a great education. And so, so so I was doing my calligraphy business and then... I remember like a few times having this feeling like, man, I miss people because I would be doing these like elaborate chalkboards. Like I did one, um, at this, this cafe and it was like 18 feet wide. It Um... took me like 30 hours. Like (laughs) huge. (laughs) And it was like, I really miss people. Like all I'm doing is writing on this chalkboard for hours and hours and hours and I measured everything out and I got everything looking great and we worked on like the budget and like all this stuff but I'm like man this this can't be all that I do like I can't do calligraphy Mm full-time it's going to eat at my soul because I love people so much and I love interacting with people and I love music therapy I love what I've you know, gone to do seeing people talk for the first time in a very long time and seeing people um, sing songs when they can't even create a coherent sentence. You know, it's like, there's like nothing like that. Um, So that's when I went on a search for music therapy jobs and looked in my area and started asking questions because I'm like, I can't just do calligraphy. Like, that's fun, but I miss people. And so then I realized, okay, there's not a lot of job openings right now. And most, if not all of them, are not with my preferred clientele. You know, I really wanted to work in hospice again, and especially in elder care. And there just were not jobs open for that. Nor did I see too many people or really anyone trying to create those jobs. So then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to start my business. (laughs) I feel like the only way to do that is to do it, you know, on my own. And I had tried a little bit um, working at um, a long-term care facility to get things moving there. And maybe I was 
there at the wrong time or the wrong person or whatever, but things weren't really moving forward. So I started my business and, um, I don't, I don't know officially when I started, but it's gotta be a couple years now. And my whole mission, okay. I have a few, I have like my top three goals is to, um, help the community of music therapists because I feel that tension in the air and because I saw a better way um, in Minnesota and to help the the rate of pay go up and then three kind of along with the second one is to create more jobs more programs um, because it just doesn't seem like there's many people doing that right now so I started my business and here I am um, two or so years later and I have a little tiny private practice, which I love. Um, but what I'm finding that I love more is this like networking and development and advocacy process, meeting with people and seeing where they are with music therapy and then walking them through really understanding what it is that we do. So I remember, um, like this one moment stands out in my mind. I, um, I was kind of like tossed around to different people talking with them about music therapy to try to start new programs. And so I talked to the hospice home and then I talked with the palliative care team at a hospital and then they sent me here and then they sent me there anyway. So in conversation with this hospital, they sent me to the, it's so funny, the volunteer coordinator which I'm like, red flag, red flag. Oh, no, no. <laughs> that is not the person I want to talk with. But then they said, oh, but this guy, he knows anyone and everyone there is to know in the hospital. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, and he sets up special programming in the hospital. And I'm like, ooh, okay, special programming. So I'm like, okay, like, I can't just write this person off because he's a volunteer coordinator. I have to give him a chance and <laughs> it's not all about me anyway, you know? And, and so let me go into this conversation, just having a conversation and getting to know him and seeing what his work has been in the hospital and what he's done throughout his time there and then see what happens. Um, so I, I called him up and he called me back and um, I said, Oh, hi. Like I'm a local music therapist. I was just wondering, do you have music therapy or do you know if you have music therapy in the hospital? Just like a simple question, because there's nothing set up at least right now in this area that tells me who works where and what place has music therapist, which that's another story. Mm. So anyway, I'm having this conversation with him. I asked him if they had music therapy and he's like, well, you know, there's a, there's a piano in our lobby and sometimes people come and play it. And I'm like, you know, like cringing yep. on the inside. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, okay, have patience, have passion or, um, you know, empathy for this person and understand that their knowledge is so limited because no one's come around and talked to them about it. So when they hear music therapy, 
they probably think something nice that has to do with music that makes them feel good. And that is a very good basis to work off of when you're talking with someone about music therapy because they value music. And that's, that's where you want to start seeing someone that values music um, and especially music as wellness. So I'm talking with him. So he said, um, uh, uh, oh, okay. He said, yeah, there's, there's a piano in the lobby. Sometimes we have people play there. Uh, sometimes we'd have a group come in and perform and it was like really nice. And I'm like, oh, wow, like that is amazing that you would value music in that way to have to even have a piano in the lobby and then to have performers come. And so it's almost like I validated what he said mm. first. I was like, what you said was valuable. What you think is valuable. What you're telling me holds weight around what music is as wellness. So I kind of said like, oh, that's really cool. Like, how awesome is it for those people in the lobby to hear music and to feel that and to have a better time when they walk into the hospital than this like sterile place where sick people are. Mm. <laughs> so I said that first. And then I said, well, let me tell you a little bit more about music therapy. And that's when I went into oh, it's actually an established profession and people actually have training in this and there's evidence-based practices and research and science and like all, you know, like what we do when we tell people what is music therapy. Um, and as I was talking and then I gave him examples of working with clients and the amazing things that happen and how music therapy is all over the country and the world. And there are established programs and hospitals. So I was telling him all these things. And then he was like, wow, that sounds so cool. And it was like, because I think, because I validated what he said in saying there's a piano in the lobby, mm. that's what opened up the door to really tell him what music therapy was. And then it was like he instantly saw the value of music therapy and was like, yes, I want to create, like, I want to make this happen in this hospital. I want to help you, like, as long as it's going to take and as many resources and as many people as we have to go through, like, I'm going to work with you to make this happen. And that was awesome. That was so cool. Um, so I've still been in touch with them. I wish I had a better story. And now I'm the, you know, first music therapist in this hospital, but actually they actually had a music therapist back in the day, but then the program fizzled out. Anyway, I'm still in conversation with them, but since then I've done many in services. I've, uh, talked with different directors of different departments. And then I actually, contracted with the hospital to give them like a little taste of what music therapy is like on the uh, cardiac ICU. Mm. And that was a really cool story too, because this family was so, so upset with how things were going with the hospital and they just wanted to call it quits. And, um, and even the social work I was in touch with, uh, she was like, yeah, I think they were close to filing a lawsuit. Oh, like, wow. oh my goodness. That is crazy. And she brought me in and then she's like, Kim, it's because of you 
that their story turned around and wow. changed. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not only me as the, the therapist, but it's also music therapy that I was doing. You know, the relationship, the music, the beautiful moments. And um, at the end of this family's time with the hospital, they sent like gift baskets and thank you cards and emails. And it was like, it was just 360 all the way around to a different planet. <laughs> and um, so anyway, all this is bringing me to do that, that networking work, that development work. And I love it so much. I love it so much. And besides that, I'm, I'm seeing these holes within the community that I want to help fill. So something actually that I'm working on with a group of people is starting a New York State Music Therapy Association. Mm, I did a bunch you. of digging. Thank you. I did a bunch of digging and tried to figure out if anyone had started it. And no one was currently in the process. There were a couple of people who tried. So then I got in touch with them. I got in touch with the task force. I got in touch with the um, Mid-Atlantic region. And I'm like, does anyone know anything about this? Okay. Well, I'm going to start it, I guess. <laughs> and it's always been this moment of, um, like, seeing possibilities in front of you and just taking a step in that direction and saying, well, if not me, then who? Mm. If not now, then when? You know, I feel like I'm quoting music here. I think it's a little, <laughs> uh, what's this band? Shoot, I can't think of them right now. Someone has to tell us what song that is. Yeah, it's not coming to me either. <laughs> Incubus? I think Incubus. Anyway, um, yeah, they have a song like that. So so it's been this moment of um, seeing gaps or seeing holes in front of me and then wanting to fill them and kind of searching out to see if anyone has, else has done it before me and then saying, okay, well... I guess it's going to be me. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm more than capable of taking those steps and trying out those things. So let me just go for it and see what happens. And so far, it's been a really fun ride. hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kim and as with all of her work it's leaving you feeling less alone or isolated or as if your experience is um, invalid in some way as a traveling music therapist myself I sometimes have those feelings where you're I'm in a fishbowl and I don't know if I'm the only person having these feelings these thoughts these experiences because it's hard to connect with other people so the work that Kim is doing is fantastic both for our profession as a whole and for us as individuals to be able to further connect with the experiences we're having, understand each other and ourselves. So as I said before, stay tuned for part two of our conversation next week where we're going to get into some of Kim's aspirations for the future as well as some of the awesome creative projects she is working on. If you like the show, please let us know by leaving a review on Facebook 
or on iTunes. Um, follow us on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. We also have a group on Facebook and you're welcome to discuss the episodes further there. What are you learning? What do you like about the show? What guests do you want to have on the show? If there's a guest you want to see or hear on the show, or if you want to be on the podcast, please let me know by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. And as always, you can become a patron on patreon.com and there you will see um, a preview of the guests coming up and you'll be able to ask your questions to them. So please consider checking that out at patreon.com slash music therapy chronicles. And lastly, I'm finally coordinating a newsletter which you can subscribe to at musictherapychronicles.com. I'm getting together some cool freebies and in the newsletter you can expect to find sneak peeks of future guests, recaps of past guests, and some other behind-the-scenes content. Our quote to end this episode comes from Ralph Waldo Emerson. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Thank you.